welcome. You're listening to the RPC Sermons Podcast. Today's message is a part of our sermon series, How Shall We Live? You can join us for virtual worship every Sunday at roswellpress.org. Thanks for listening. Good morning and welcome to Roswell Presbyterian Church. It's great to be in worship with you. As we are united, no matter wherever you are, we are united in Jesus Christ by the Holy Spirit. Well, today we continue and kind of conclude our generosity season. This is the season of the church year when we talk about the financial plans and the future for the church. And so we're asking you to prayerfully reflect on what God is calling you to commit to give financially to the mission and ministry of Roswell Presbyterian Church next year in 2021. Your commitment allows us to make kind of a reasonable budget and reasonable plans for the ministry that God calls us to. And we ask you to make two pledges. First, we ask you to give a a pledge to our operating budget. This pays for the lights and the church staff and the electricity and all the things that go on. And then we ask you to give above and beyond that amount to our mission budget. I know there's a lot of uncertainty in the future right now, and we understand that, but please do your best to predict what you would give next year so that allows us to plan. God has been faithful for 180 years of doing ministry here on Mimulsa Boulevard in Roswell, Georgia, and we are confident that God continues to call us forward to move forward with faith and courage. Let's stick together as the family of faith. Well, we continue our sermon series, Inside Out. We believe that God gathers us together, calls us together, builds us up in Jesus Christ, and sends us out to do the work of ministry by the power of the Holy Spirit. And this is a ministry that everyone is called to. It's not just for church professionals or pastors. Everyone who would follow Jesus Christ is called to be a disciple and be a witness. Let us look to this great calling from Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 9. Listen for the word of the Lord. In the first book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus did and taught from the beginning until the day when he was taken up to heaven, after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself alive to them by many convincing proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. While staying with them, he ordered them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait there for the promise of the Father. This, he said, is what you have heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, is this the time when you will restore the kingdom to Israel? He replied, it is not for you to know the times or periods that the Father has set by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And when he had said this, as they were watching, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, we thank you for this powerful story from Holy Scripture. And we ask that in the next few moments, you might be our teacher that we might hear this great, grand calling that you made to those early disciples. We may hear it as our own, as you call us to be your witnesses to the ends of the earth. Now may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. I've heard it's been said, don't count the time, make the time count. And if you're anything like me, this can be a challenge. This can be difficult advice to follow, especially lately. 
over the past eight months, I've continually asked myself, when is this going to be over? Haven't we had enough already? This is going on for so long. I've had enough of you, COVID. I've had to return to a lesson I learned as a young boy. Every summer, my family would go to a resort for vacation. The only problem was that this resort was in Oregon, which was a long way from our house. It took us seven hours to get there by car. Every summer, we would load up our Ford Taurus. My dad would be driving. My mom would be in the passenger seat. My sister would be on one side, my brother in the middle, and me on the other side. We'd be all in the back. And this trip took seven, S-E-V-E-N, hours. We would constantly be asking my parents for the entire seven-hour trip, are we there yet? How much longer? What time is it? How long till we get there? We were counting the time. But finally, my mom came up with kind of a genius idea, the idea of prize bags. With every hour that passed, my brother, my sister, and I got to reach into our individual prize bag and pull out a surprise. This was a a reward for making it another hour. We had prizes. And this special activity helped the time seem to go by faster. Every hour, there was a new surprise. Little games, books, candy. Before we knew it, we were there. My mom helped us learn to not count the time, but to make the time count. Making the time count is one of the secrets of the Christian life. Our passage today comes from the book of Acts. Luke wrote Acts to tell the story of the early church. Here we see Jesus giving some of his last-minute instructions before his ascension. He has been crucified, dead, and buried, and then he rose from the dead on the, the third day. And so here we have him in his final conversation with his disciples, and he's talking to them about the future. And Luke, the writer of Acts, records it this way in verse 6. He writes, So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, is this the time when you will restore the kingdom to Israel? The disciples are asking Jesus a critical question that they are very interested in. When is the time going to come where you're going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Is now the time? Is it the time come? Is right now? Is it time yet? We've been waiting a long time. Is it now? If you've read through the four Gospels, accounts of Jesus' life and ministry and teaching, you'll discover that the kingdom of God, or what is also referred to as the kingdom of heaven, are his great themes of his ministry, his teaching, and his preaching. When Jesus talks and uses parables, oftentimes he would say something like this, the kingdom of God is like, and he might say the kingdom of God is like a sower who went out to sow, or the kingdom of God is like a a mustard seed. One of his great themes is the kingdom of God. Back when he teaches us to pray, he begins the prayer with this phrase, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. See, thy kingdom Thy kingdom is where God's will is done. We are praying. We are working for a time when God's will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus sought for us to seek out God's purposes in the world, to make God's purposes a reality, God's will in this life. 
You see, Rome ruled the world with brutality. They crucified dissidents. They imprisoned anyone who stood against them. They turned perfidious leaders against their own people. The disciples were looking for the restoration of the kingdom. Is this the time, Lord? Is it time yet? Are we there? He replied, It is not for you to know the times or periods that the Father has set by his own authority. In other words, Jesus says, It's none of your business. This is a tough word to hear. We want to know when the time will come. When will it be here? Tell us how long we have to wait. But you know what? Sometimes it's better not to know. The Christian church has always gone wrong when when we become obsessed or concerned with God's timetable. So on one hand, we either become arrogant because we think we know what God is going to do in the the future, or on the other hand, we become despairing. God isn't yet doing what we want. How long? If at the beginning of the pandemic, you would have told me that we would have to quarantine for eight months and we still wouldn't see the end in sight, I think I might have had an emotional breakdown. But over the past eight months, I've been trying Not to count the time, but to make the time count. How about you? What do you want to know about? What are you asking if it's time for? Maybe you're wondering about a job. Is it time for a new one? Maybe you're waiting to be made well. You've been struggling for too long. Are you mourning the loss of a loved one? How long, Lord? How long? We want to know God's timing, but Jesus says, it's not for us to know. The great writer C.S. Lewis once said, you might as well leave it in God's hands because it's there whether you leave it or not. (laughs) It's not for us to know the times or periods that the Father has set by his own authority. Jesus uses two senses for time in this passage. He says there's two senses of time that we cannot know about for sure. The Bible in the New Testament uses two Greek words for the word time. The first word is chronos. Here it's translated times, chronos. And the second is kairos, translated here as periods. Let me say a word about these two senses of time. Chronos is where we get the word chronology. It was the name of a Greek divinity, a Greek god. It came to signify the quantitative, the measurable, controllable aspects of time. There's a chronology. There's an unfolding of events. It's measured on the calendar, on the clock, on this date, on this hour. This is chronos, chronological time. But the second kind of time is kairos time. It refers not so much to an hour or a date as to an element of human destiny. It is a time of historical significance. It has the sense of the fulfillment of time. The Bible uses kairos to signify an important important moment. Behold, now is the time. Now one of my favorite kind of contemporary depictions of these two senses of time come in the Coen Brothers movie, The Big Lebowski. Now, in The Big Lebowski, Jeff Bridges plays a slacker nicknamed The Dude. It is a comedy of mistaken identity and kind of offbeat humor. Any young man who came to age in the late 90s or early 2000s probably was impacted by this movie. 
Well, at the beginning of the movie, a narrator, kind of with this cowboy drawl, says this. says, now this here story I'm about to unfold took place back in the early 90s. Just about the time our conflict with Saddam and the Iraqis. I only mention it because sometimes there's a man. I won't say a hero, because what's a hero? But sometimes there's a man. And I'm talking about the dude here. Sometimes there's a man. Well, he's the man for his time and place. He fits right in there. And that's the dude in Los Angeles. Even if he's a lazy man. And the dude was most certainly that. Quite possibly the laziest in Los Angeles County. Which would place him high in the running for laziest worldwide. (laughs) The dude is lazy and letting Kronos time pass him by. Until the dude has a Kairos moment. See, we don't know when the Kairos moments are going to happen, but we know that they will happen. The question is, will we be ready for them? Will we seize the day? God will bring Kairos moments in the midst of the Kronos times of our lives. We don't know when and we don't know where, but they will happen. See, Kairos moments are moments of big moments in our lives. They're moments of decision, moments of crisis. To make a decision to live Boldly and courageously, they present us with the question, what are you going to do? These Kairos moments change our lives. I think I've shared this story with you before, but one of my Kairos moments happened when I was maybe five or six years old. One of my babysitters and the friends of our family was getting married, and so she invited our family to the wedding. Now, I don't really remember the wedding other than I was dressed up, and at the reception there was this country band, there were tons of food and drink, and there was just, it was just a great party. And I remember that there was this big dance floor, and there was a lot of dancing going on. And I remember there was this really cute little girl on the other side of the dance floor that I just couldn't take my eyes off of. And my dad saw I was looking at her, and he says to me, why don't you go ask her to dance? I demurred, saying, oh, no, I, I don't want to. I, I don't know how. But he could tell I really wanted to ask her because I kept looking at her and I, he could tell I was nervous. And so my dad turns to me. And my dad is a pretty chill dude. So this kind of came as a shock. He says this. Go ask her to dance. If you don't, you'll regret it for the rest of your life. So I did. <laughs> That was a Kairos moment for me. The moment taught me I have to be willing to take risks, to step out boldly. That's a Kairos moment. We have to take advantage of these Kairos moments. They can change our lives. See, life happens one moment after another, but occasionally Kairos, God breaks into our lives. So Jesus doesn't give us God's God's timetable, but he does give us some instructions What did he tell the disciples in verse 8? He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Don't count the time. Make the time count. Go to Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria. Go to the ends of the earth. Be my witnesses. Be my ambassadors. Shine my light into the world that desperately needs it. I take this to mean start in Jerusalem, around your home, around your people. But don't get so isolated and internal, but still stay externally focused. Think about Judea. What does surrounding neighbors 
think? What do they need? Think about Samaria. These Samaritans were almost enemies. Think about your enemy. How can you serve? How can you be reconciled? And don't stop there. Go to the ends of the earth. Today is Heritage Sunday at Roswell Presbyterian Church. Since 1839, saints of this church have been making a difference in our lives and in the community. We are in our generosity season, and we've chosen the theme inside out, that we are transformed inside and then we move outwards. Start here close to home. How can I be a witness to Jesus Christ here? But then start thinking about the larger community, the larger world. How can we be a witness not just here but also there? These are all important. We all have our role to play. We start with our children's and family ministry, making a difference in families' lives. We do it with adult discipleship activities as people get older. They learn. They need to be mature and trained up in the faith. We do it with our grand adults with wit and wisdom. As they gather together, cheer each other on. We do it with our worship ministries, hopefully with inspiring worship that inspires you and lifts you up, holds you together. But we also care not just about people in this congregation. We care about people on the other side of the world in places like Kenya, down south in Guatemala, Mexico. We care. We care about people on the other side of the street who are the vulnerable, who are in need in our community. How can we be transformed from the inside out? How can we not count the time but make the time count? Roswell Presbyterian Church is a place to call people together, build them up in Jesus Christ, and send them out to do the work of ministry by the power of the Holy Spirit. We don't know God's timetable, but we can be a witness here. We can be a witness. You never know what could happen. I conclude with a story that happened to me a number of years ago that was another Kairos moment. I led a mission trip to Central America, And when we were there, we had the opportunity to meet with a professor, an economics professor at a local university. He told our little group, he said, I often begin to doubt God's faithfulness and sometimes God's very existence. He says, even though we have all of these resources in our country, we live in the second poorest country in the Western Hemisphere. He told us 75% of our population lives on less than $95 a month. He says, when I look at these conditions, I begin to lose hope. He says, but then when I see you come here, when you could be off vacationing, when you could be hanging out with your friends, when you could be doing anything else, but because of you, I can feel God's faithfulness. I can feel it. I can see it. It's, there it is. And then he said the most profound thing. He says, you are God's faithfulness to me. You are God's faithfulness to me. That's making the time count. Friends, we are part of a long tradition of people called to love God and love people here at RPC. We are called together to serve, to build each other, and then to encourage each other to go out and serve. We are God's witnesses. When you commit to give of your financial resources, you make that ministry possible. You make a difference in people's lives. So friends, even in the midst of a time like this, don't count the time. Make the time count. Let's pray. Gracious and loving God, we thank you that you came 2,000 years ago as your son Jesus 
And we thank you for his great calling on those disciples to go to the ends of the earth. And Lord, now here we stand 2,000 years later carrying on that great mission, that great vision as we carry the faith forward. I do pray that we might step up and be faithful in our financial commitments to continue this ministry that has been happening since 1839 and we might carry it forward into the future. Lord, we don't want to count the time. We want to make the time count. In your name we pray. Amen. You've been listening to the RPC Sermons Podcast. Please let us know you're here by visiting roswellpress.org and signing our digital friendship register. May the grace and love of God be with you today and throughout the rest of your week. Thanks for listening.